Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Robin's on the Wire, a Bristol Post podcast with Michelle Owen and Bristol City reporter Gregor McGregor. Before we start this week's podcast, a big thank you to ELM Legal Services, who are based in Bristol and provide will writing and estate planning services across the UK. You can get a standard single will for £99. If you'd like to get in touch, call them 0800 019 4557. Welcome along to Robins on the Wire with myself, Michelle Owen and Gregor McGregor. Today is part two of our end of season review. But before we get into the nitty gritty of what happened since Boxing Day, let's start by talking about a departure at the club. The first one of the summer, not a player, but someone that was hugely important for the club. Uh, Adam Baker, the media officer, has left. A statement was released earlier this week uh, saying that Adam has chosen to leave. Uh, He's got a young family and he said it's with a heavy heart that I leave Ashton Two decades of service for the club I love, taking in over a thousand games in that time. When I began the role all those years ago, there were no 24-7 sports news channels, no Facebook and Twitter, and certainly no goal gifts. Now, that's just the opening part of his statement. So, sounds like he is sad to leave, but we know he's got a young family and he'll be dedicating more time for them. And to be fair, I'm pretty sure he's not going to be short of offers as he leaves, because the last season for Bristol City in terms of media coverage has been phenomenal. And he's sort of the one that masterminds that behind the scenes, the goal gifts. I know they were brought in from, I think it was the Bristol Flyers, wasn't it? But he was the one that made them work for the football team. And every every bit of coverage this season that they've had, the gifts have given them so much exposure and made them famous almost worldwide. And he's been behind that. Yeah, I was surprised to hear this. Um, I think it would be a massive loss for the club because, um, yeah, from what I know of Adam, and obviously we work... Um, alongside him a fair bit he was always a top professional and he did a really good job and what I always thought was brilliant for the Robins and himself was that he was such a big Bristol City fan and uh, yeah he obviously loved covering them and uh, yeah as I say did a fantastic job and uh, I think it'll be much missed yeah definitely I think it will be very odd to go there without... I mean, I've been going down to Ashton Gate for four or five years now and he's always been there because he's been there for 17 years and I really do think the club are going to miss him massively, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, he made our life easier and we would have seen him every match day. And, and at presses. Yeah, and... the fans will have seen him alongside Lee Johnson. So he, this is a guy, by the way, that if you see him around Bristol City, I would... Um, or around, sorry, Bristol, I would suggest... Uh, buying him a cup of tea or coffee because he must have some great stories about what happens behind the scenes. But, Absolutely. Uh, and maybe, yeah. hey, maybe in a, in, in a little while, hopefully we, we can get him on the podcast. I'd love to get him on. So fingers good, crossed. Yeah. Watch this space for sure. And of course, his father-in-law, Ken, works at the club. So fingers crossed he's not going anywhere. He works in the press room. So hopefully he'll be around next season as well. Because he, yeah, he delivers all the food, doesn't he? So, uh, <laughs> he brings me my vegetarian food, but he's a lovely man as well. Now on to part two of our end of season review and we said part one was very positive and we actually had quite a lovely time recording it last week didn't we but we knew part two wasn't going to be as positive because the results weren't there but before we start talking about this I just want to say from a personal point of view 
that I would never want to speak on behalf of the fans, if that makes sense, because I'm not a Bristol City fan, and I say that a lot. However, I really enjoy. The first half of the season was so enjoyable to watch that fast, free-flowing football. The second part of the season wasn't like that, that's the truth. But before we go into all of this, I just think Johnson's stock could be much higher than it is now, unless they've been promoted, because he did such a good job in the first half of the season. Yes, it didn't quite work out in the second half of the season, but what he did in the first half, just as a disclaimer before we go into the second half, was phenomenal, wasn't it? Yes, absolutely. Um, There's a report out today, actually, I don't know if you've seen it, Um, where where the fans have ranked all the championship managers. And Neil Warnock Warnock has come top. Rightly so, yeah. Uh, Obviously, Nuno was named as, like, um, I think it was... LMA uh, managers. Yeah, last night. Championship manager of the year. Yeah, and uh, Lee Johnson came eighth in the list from the fans. And he's really, obviously, highly regarded um, across the league and, and... nationwide so uh, yeah maybe the fans aren't quite appreciating the job he's done at City at the moment I know obviously a lot of them are divided on this um, but yeah from my point of view I think he's he's done a good job obviously it's disappointing that it tailed off but I think there are a few reasons why that happened. Yeah well let's begin with where it tailed off I asked you for your three word reviews on Twitter if you ever want to tweet us I'm at Michelle and 7 Gregor is at G McGee and <laughs> you have responded and Unfortunately, can't get to every one, but one that really caught my eye was from Baz. I said, Bristol City fans, please send me your end of season review in three words. And he said, Ryan Bennett's header. Now, of course, he's referring to the Wolves goal, the winner, which made it 2-1 at the end of December. At that point, Bristol City were vying for automatic promotion. And I got to agree with Baz. After that moment, Bristol City season never really got back on track. And it was a bitter blow in that moment. I remember seeing Nuno Espirito Santo, the Wolves manager, going crazy in the stands, which he'd been sent to from the touchline. And that was when Wolves sort of kicked on and Bristol City didn't. And they never really recovered from that, did they, Gregor? Yeah, it's, it's true. I think there is quite a lot in that. Um, coaching staff might have played that down. But, yeah, psychologically, um, yeah, I'm not too sure the players quite recovered, um, certainly as quickly as maybe... You might have hoped as a fan. Um, and yeah, they, they went on a bad run after that, didn't they? I remember they got... Never really got going after that. Yeah. How many wins since January? Not many. Um, I think it's still four this year, isn't it? Yeah. Um, and yeah, they got absolutely spanked at Aston Villa um, the next game. And at that time, I remember doing that podcast with you saying, it's just down to fatigue, they'll bounce back because of what had happened. We both agreed they'd been spent in December recovering from the Manchester United game, the cup run. And we both generally thought that that result on New Year's Day was fatigue. And then the Watford game, the FA Cup game, we put that down to being a much-changed team, not bothered about the FA Cup. Yeah, Watford definitely played a stronger side that day. And yeah, given what happened earlier on in the season with Robbins winning there, um, I think that was a sort of a, a bit of extra motivation for the Hornets. And, yeah, and what, let's, Bristol City wasn't priority. They're in the semi-final of the League Cup at that point and pushing promotion. Lee Johnson puts out, with no disrespect, not a strong team as usual. Then they lose to Norwich City at home. And I remember that game and it was just... It was quite uninspiring football from Bristol City. Not used to that at all. Interesting that Steve Lansdowne mentioned that as um, a key turning point for him for the season. Um, ahead of Sheffield United, he spoke, didn't he? And um, yeah, he put he mentioned that one, and we'll come on to it. But, but the um, Hull and Sunderland games where they drop points, and I certainly think that's where Bristol City need to improve next season. Their home form. I just just think it's some of the home games. Not so much. I know they had this terrible run, not winning away from home since the beginning of December. 
but certainly it's the home defeats and draws that really help. Where them. they've lost from, or drawn from winning positions. And, and Bracey went, tweeted us with our, his end of season review in three words. He said, decent, bad January. Now, that bad January is, is here on paper. Only one win in the league, which was against QPR at the end of the month. But before that, they'd ran Manchester City so close in those two legs, hadn't they? Uh, obviously, going to the Etihad, another late... Winner for the opposition, and you're thinking, well, how much mental fatigue now? They've they've conceded that late winner against Wolves. Okay, this was only the first leg, but conceding that Aguero goal, you know, Aidan Flint switches off for a second, and look how costly it is. They played so so well that day, um, and also the fans were absolutely brilliant. I remember they were so loud. Actually, there was a thing out this week um, in the Times, I think it was, and the Manchester City fans had voted on the best fans to go to. Um, yes, he had this this season, and I was checking to see if they might mention Bristol City. They didn't actually; they went for Huddersfield. Okay. But certainly, the City fans must have been up there because they just made they were so raucous. They made such a din that game. And yeah, I think amazing. it really helped the side. And, and they almost did it, and then they brought them back to Ashton Gate. And you're thinking during that game, you think it's gone, don't you? At the start of the second half, when Manchester City uh, are up by a couple of goals, <laughs> and then Marlon Pat gets the goal, and you're thinking, really? Could this happen? And then, of course, they kill it off with De Bruyne getting that late winner and the average score still, being yeah, quite st- flattering st- to Manchester still City. Still came back from 2 0 down, though, didn't yeah. they? To 2 2. So Such that's, character. That's yeah. and, so, and then to get that win against uh, QPR at the end of January, you're thinking, OK, well, maybe they're going to get back on track. But to lose away at Bolton, was that a signal of things to come, Gregor, that they, they couldn't do it against the team that was scrapping for their lives on the final yeah, day of the season? Possibly. I mean I remember going up there for that game and it was it was a it was on T V obviously, so a lot of people will have watched it. Um and I thought it was very close. It's one of those games that could have gone either way. Probably whoever got the first goal was gonna go on and take it and yeah, ultimately, I don't think Bristol City quite had enough quality at times this season, and that was one of the cases. Edward uh, Waddle tweeted us, didn't win away, and there's a there's one of the examples. But then what happened next? I remember watching the Leeds game on telly. You were up there. I thought, 2-0 up, this is great. At 2-1, I thought, no, they're not going to see this out because something mentally seemed to have gone. And that was in display at the previous game against Sunderland. 3-0 up, cruising. That should never have been three all. And those two games, they've dropped, you know, those those points, which ultimately, okay, they were eight points outside the playoffs in the end, but ultimately they could have been so much closer at the end and that would have changed everything, wouldn't they? Do you, do you pinpoint those two draws? Yeah, I do, absolutely. I think, yeah, it's just weird, isn't they? Throwing away the leads there. Um, and we saw that a bit towards the end of the season and sort of lacklustre defensive displays. But at the same time, we had a few strange nil-nil draws in there where they went away to like Forest, um, uh, Burton... And so many nil-nils this season, yeah, haven't they? And, and so at times they have done it on the road. It's been markedly um, consistently inconsistent at times. And I think that is what you get, though, from young players. Um, well, this is it. We had a tweet from Andy who said, more experience needed. Mm. And that hits the nail on the head what you've just said there, Gregor. And Jason said, promise so much. At the end of February, on that Sunday afternoon, there was the seven-side derby and Lee Johnson now famously said that he gets in for free <laughs> and he wouldn't have paid to watch it. That defeat at Cardiff, it was a dull game, you were there. 
Yeah, yeah, it was. And uh, Lois Dioni's only start of the season as well, that game. Um, we'll come on to the transfer window yeah. in just a little while <laughs> because we both think that's costly. In March, there was that emphatic win against Sheffield Wednesday. And once again, you're thinking, OK, this is the Bristol City we know. And Sheffield Wednesday were very, very poor that day, but they played some nice football in that 4 0 win. But, I mean, March was the best month of the season since Christmas. But even then, there was only two wins out of five in it, and that's not promotion form, is it? Absolutely not. And uh, they did show some good spirit and fight at times, and particularly like the Bristol, um, sorry, the Barnsley game away from home, where they got a, a late goal to get a point from that game. Um, so, and, and that was like a, the Brentford match away from home earlier in the season. So. They certainly can't be um, accused of throwing the towel in at times. Well, there was a tweet from Chris here who says, threw it away. Mm. If you, I think if you've ever said that to a manager, they would... I mean, I, I've made the mistake of saying that to a manager before. I remember, I think it was Paul Tisdale. Exeter were 3-0 up against Yeovil. And it was 3-0. And I said, Paul, do you think you threw it away? And he's like, no, we didn't throw it away. So I was like, right, well, probably should never say that to a manager. But to go from automatic places in, in January to then sort of struggling around the playoffs in April. Is that throwing it away, Gregor? Well, it, just, I it does long, seem blasé to say I that. I have a long theory about this, actually. Um, and as you know, I'm quite a big person for the stats. and Loves uh, the stats. I do. And <laughs> it, it, stats and data are rife in football. They're used by every club. And, like, for example, Arsenal bought their own stats company. Stats DNA, they're called. Big American company bought them. It's this Moneyball thing, isn't it? Yeah, really? absolutely. And I know there's analysts who are integral at every club. And Bristol City have got their fair share of analysts. Mm. I think Sam Stanton is the guy yep. who does the performance of the first team. Uh, Sean Gillespie heads up a team of analysts um, looking at recruitment for the, t- for the club. Uh, that reports into Mark Ashton. So, yeah, data and stats are key. And if you look at the data and stats, and one really good guy is um, Ben Mayhew of the Press Association. Oh, you've mentioned him before, yeah. Yeah, Experimental 361. Check him out because, basically, he charts all the stats and his stats show that by expected goals, which is the big thing this season, that Bristol City were always, always in a false position this league, right up to Christmas. So they were always going to fall down the league. So basically it was... What, and this so is, they were overachieving, which were is the classic quote we yeah, kept this, hearing. They were overachieving. Essentially, their players weren't really that good. And if you think about their wins... <laughs> well, if you think Seems about so their, harsh. The, yeah, the, if you think about their wins earlier in the season, like the Sheffield United win, when... In some regards, they were pretty lucky that game. Sheffield United hit the woodwork four or five times. Um, likewise, on the road um, earlier, they played somebody else and, and were a little bit lucky. Maybe the Brentford game, they were completely outplayed for a long time in that match um, at Griffin Park. Um, basically, they, they got a bit lucky in those, in those games, really. And that came back to bite them later on in the season, where luck went against them. Uh, Perhaps and, we yeah. should have looked at those games more closely... Yeah, but we this, didn't. But this happens in football. That's the beauty of the game. That anything can happen. And um, basically, it was my favourite term: a regression to the mean, which, mm-hmm. as mathematicians say, which uh, basically the average. Meant, yeah, basically, yeah, things were gonna. It, what had gone up must come down. You know, mm. so these things were going to even out over the long period. And it, I, I'll tell you one thing: from Ben's stats, and I keep harping on about this, but it actually shows what a good job Lee Johnson has done. Because his stats say basically that Bristol City should have finished around 18th or 19th in the league, but they didn't. Um, and that's maybe um, a sign of the good spirit and the way Johnson has stewarded them. I remember sitting with you, I think December or January, and looking at the run ins of all the teams competing for the playoffs. And I said, oh, I think Bristol City in April have the best running because on paper, 
the toughest game there looks like Middlesbrough because at that point Millwall weren't in the mix and then that day they lost to Millwall for me that's when I felt that the playoffs went yeah absolutely and I know the um, a lot of the fans felt that way as well it felt like there was a bit of a a lash from the fans afterwards because they weren't happy with them the away performance there but yeah I do I do think back to that game and I think there were chances for them if they could have been a bit more clinical and I think after that we both sort of acknowledged I remember the, the analyst you were just talking about and there Ben saying there's a 1% chance and as we went through April yeah. you, a miracle was needed and there was a good result on the Tuesday night against Birmingham City so they were still in the mix but to not win against Middlesbrough and to I'm going to say it to throw it away against Hull I've said it mm. Then that was it, wasn't it? It defensively was defensively not good enough. Defensively well, not good enough at all. In that Bristol City Hull City game, at one point they were a point outside the playoffs again. Yeah. And by the end of it, the chances were over. Exactly, exactly. It wasn't good enough, um, and that's where they need to improve, isn't it? Next season, and tighten up at the back. We saw just how poor Bristol City can be against Sheffield United on the last day of the season. Three 0 down. Spirits come back and get a couple of goals, but Lee Johnson was seething after that, wasn't he? I think he would be, wouldn't you? Because he said afterwards that he wanted to leave on a positive note, and it would have been great if he could have got a win. I think everybody would have taken the season uh, um, and been a bit more hopeful over the summer that they could reinforce and come back stronger next season. But I don't know. It just leaves a sour taste, doesn't it? And the table doesn't lie. Bristol City finished eleventh ultimately eight points outside the playoffs which makes it look like they weren't that close in the end but obviously we know better than that absolutely that and that's football that's the way it goes sometimes but i do i do think they'll get better next season if i was to ask you for a sort of summary of, I, I won't make you do it in three words i've made people do that on twitter and we're going to run through some of those in a second but if i was asked to, to you sort of summary of bristol city's season what would you what would you say <laughs> divided uh because you can't deny it's been five years of progression, looking at the bigger picture. Five years, they've had two years in League One, obviously came up, and now it's been three years climbing up the, the league table. That's undeniable. They've also had, um, I always mention this, the, the record equaling League Cup run, um, and they haven't been in what a, a major final for almost 100 years more. So, and, and they weren't too far away from doing that. They're the positives. Obviously, the negatives are the way it ended up in the in the in the championship. Um, and yeah, given what had happened the year before with that wretched run across the winter, there's legitimate questions to be asked. Um, and certainly on the recruitment front, which I don't think has been good enough. I do agree with the fans there. Um, but the club knows this, and um, I know Lee is hell bent on um, on getting things right. He works. Um, harder than many, many managers. Um, I know Mark Ashner said that previously, and I, I've seen firsthand this. Um, so yeah, I do. I do trust them to get things right and to kick on next year. Come that, on that brings us on actually to Lee Johnson's uh, interview on BBC Radio Bristol. Uh, this week and he spoke to Jeff Twentyman and told us about their plans to go on the pre-season tour uh, to Marbella that's right I mean can we get a podcast special out there I'd quite like to go and get a tan <laughs> but he he spoke at length didn't he about recruitment and what happened he did I thought it was a typically honest Lee Johnson um, interview he, People will say, oh, he didn't reveal too much, but he can't reveal too much because he's not going to go into con contractual negotiations, these kind of things, divulge details. But he did but give his thoughts about yeah, what yeah. happened. Because that give, if he reveals that kind of information, it gives the, his, um, the club's competitors an advantage. 
So he's not going to reveal transfer targets, things like that. Um, so, yeah, I, I thought he was honest. Um, I th- did think there were a couple of things he said that were a little bit surprising in terms of the language problem with Eros Pisano and mm-hmm. also buying Nicholas Eliasson and maybe um, not pointing out that he was really one for the future because that seems to be the case. And I spoke to Nicholas's um, agent straight after he'd signed and I specifically said, has Nicholas signed for now or for the future? And he said, no, he's a player who's going to play straight away now. So Could, you, could, could be going somewhere? Well, Lee himself said to me that he might go out on loan. I think that would probably be, probably be a sensible idea, send him out on loan for a six months or a year toughen up in English football somewhere um, and yeah hopefully the likes of him and even um, Engval can still have um, a chance I know Engval said himself that he, he might be sold this summer um, and there's a yeah I think that's a strong possibility but these guys have still got something to prove and um, have still got some talent he said I think that we did the best with what we could if you look at the names that came out. Yeah. But there was a clamour for the fans to get that sort of big signing to add goals. A lot of, yeah. Wasn't lot, there? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and I know Bobby Reid got lots of goals in the end, Chiju came back, but people, I remember people saying, oh, why can't we go and get like someone like Jordan Hugo or something like that? I, I don't think a lot of fans fully understand that Bristol City can't afford um, the top pedigree players, basically tried and tested players in the Championship, unless they're on a free transfer or a reduced fee. Um, they're not in a position to spend 15 million quid on a, on a player, maybe not even 10 million quid without doing a bit of trading. Mm. But what was good is that Lee said the other day that they will adapt. Um, and I think there's a case this summer that, say, Bobby Reed and Joe Bryan were sold, and suddenly they, they could have a lot of money to spend. And they might, they might be willing to spend a huge amount to bring in quality rather than quantity. We're going to go into transfers in more more detail next week. We're going to do a transfer special then. But just on the transfers that did come in, obviously Lewis Juni didn't work out for whatever reason. He, he was stressing at the time that it's really important that the signings came in, fitted in with the lads in the changing room. Now, you just hear rumours out and about. From what I understand, Ryan Kent wasn't that close to the players. I think he kept himself to himself most of the time. But from other things I've heard, I think Liam Walsh has settled in quite well. And Lee Johnson has been saying he's one for the future. Yeah, and um, I thought it was interesting um, that what he said about Gioni saying that he wasn't a January signing, which uh, I, th- I fully understand what he means by that in terms of he needed a lot longer to get right. And this is a guy whose confidence is rock bottom and you could see that in his play at times. And yeah, he needed longer. He needed to come in in the summer um, and to be worked with, have a real run in the team or a run in the cup competitions at least. Um, and they couldn't afford to give him that, unfortunately, because the pressure's on. You need results coming towards the end of the season. And he was asked about appointing a foreign coach, and he said to us on the podcast at Christmas, the special we did with him, that he was trying to learn French through UEFA to get those French phrases that... Because they mean different things in football. So, for example, an iron is not an iron in football terms. It means yeah. something else, you know what I mean? Or pass doesn't mean pass. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that they're trying to are they trying to get someone in that can speak the foreign languages? Because like you said, Eros Bassano, he can't communicate perhaps as well as he'd like to with. Is yeah, that fair? I, I, yeah, th- yeah, I think Lee said he, that they were. And I'm a little bit surprised that the club haven't already catered for that. But... I, at the same time... I th- but they're now in their bracket. I, they need to see themselves like that, don't they? Yeah, I, I suppose this comes back to what Lee was saying about um, that the club has moved forward very quickly. And they have. There's a lot of um, 
staffing behind the scenes and infrastructure that needs to be put in place. They haven't got that right at the moment. And so there's certainly a lot of work to do there for Mark Ashton and certainly questions as well for those guys um, in terms of the players brought in. But I do think you, you have to give them uh, the chance to prove themselves and to get things right over the, the longer term. And there have been successes. Let's not forget that, for, for my money, I think Jeju's going to be right up there as one of the top scorers next yeah, season. Yeah, and I, I know he yeah. said, oh, he knows people at Premier League clubs, but I don't see him going anywhere. No, no. In terms, just going into it briefly, before the transfer special that we'll do next week, he said that he has emotional attachment in the interview with Jeff Twentyman to Joe Bryan and Bobby Reid. Now... Lee Johnson was on the bench when Bobby Reid made his Bristol City debut, obviously brought him to Oldham on loan, and has known Joe Bryan for just as long as well. He, he clearly doesn't want them to leave, but he doesn't really have any power in the negotiations, is what he said, didn't he? Yeah, the ne- negotiations have been going on for a while, and um, that will be conducted by Mark Ashton, obviously. Um, it'll come down, I think, to really what the players want and what offers they get. Um, because, as he said... <laughs> They'll want to play as high as they can and um, Bristol City have got to match really any payoffers they get from elsewhere. So uh, we're waiting to see what happens on that front, aren't we? I think we'll, we'll go into this in more detail next week, like I said, but it's going to be a very interesting summer and they've got to be careful, haven't they? Because they could lose a number of big players for them this season, this, this summer before the next season even begins. And with the window closing sooner for English clubs, the 9th of August, with the World Cup as well, got that work out haven't they it's going to be an absolute bun fight I think uh, straight after the World Cup there's going to be so many deals happening and uh, yeah it's going to be crazy with this short window I'm going to go through some of the three word reviews now because there's so many and if there's anyone you want to pick out after this long list Greg will go for it so uh, Tom Swash very positive he said sustainable progressing club that's something that you've said uh, Joe said excitement expectation disappointment Sally said believe don't hype uh, Joe said brilliant depthless and knackered. Uh, the Exard Robin, chalk and cheese. Darren said the future is bright. Uh, I'm afraid Seb, you put a swear word in there, so I can't say it. Uh, <laughs> there's a couple of others with some some rude words in that I can't say. Bob's your uncle said same old city. Matt Smith said bottle job professionals. Quite harsh. Yeah, harsh, I think. Uh, Kingswood Red, not good enough. And she said what we said, season two halves. Fev said clutch, clutch and clutch. Clutch is this word that Lee Johnson kept using. What did that mean again? Um, well, I thought it came Are you from, sure? I thought <laughs> it, it came from racket sports originally, but um, I think Lee said um, it comes from basketball and that, doesn't it? Well, I think it refers to the important moments in games, the, when the pressure's on. Uh, Stephen Westwood said Wolves done us, which is something we talked about today. Jamie said memorable, improved inconsistency. Kevin said complete, utter failure. Again, very harsh. Very harsh. Uh, there's lots more. I'll try and get a few more in. Tom said, ended after United. Well, we said last, last week, we thought that's where it all peaked. Uh, Chris said, hot and cold. <laughs> Gert Lush said, consistently inconsistent again. Tim Hiscock said, off to Vegas. I mean, maybe it was that the players were on the beach in that, that final game against Sheffield United. Uh, Dave Wack, no, Dave Wacker, sorry, said ecstasy, agony, journey. <laughs> <laughs> Dave said so Preston North had a better. Gareth Hughes, Johnson in, out. 
I mean, uh, come on, you can't be calling for his head after this season, no, surely. Not, come on. Uh, Kevin said, overdrank New Year's Eve. And, and there's many more. Rich said, much to learn. John said, laugh or cry. Claire said, poor transfer window. Thank you for all of them. Sorry if we couldn't get to yours. I mean, Claire, poor transfer window is something we, we've just been finishing up on there. But just coming back to Lee Johnson, which we started talking about him just when we started reviewing the se- end of the season then. For anyone to even suggest them, you know, you see the forums that Lee Johnson should go. Have you seen much of that? Well, is there, is there the odd post? You do, you do get like the odd person, obviously being ultra critical. But that would be crazy because you look at the perception of Lee from outside the club, and his stock has what, never been higher. Yeah, well, this goes back to what I was saying earlier that. Um, He's, he's been linked with um, other clubs West still, Brom. West Brom. And, and he's yeah. still being linked with West Brom, isn't he? Also Swansea recently as yeah, well. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, the perception is that he's done a really good job, and he, he has. Uh, Can I just say now, I it's, just, it's, it's not really based on that much apart from talking to him, but I really don't think he's going to leave. I think he believes in this project. I mean, we get to speak to him each week, but I just think he believes in this project so much and maybe what he could do. But what's crucial for Lee Johnson now is that they have a good summer in terms of transfers, isn't it? Because if not, let's be honest, if not, if they don't have a good summer, it's not as great a season. His stock isn't going to be this high again for a while unless they have another great season. Do you see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I do, I do. Yeah, I I think I do agree that there's a little bit of pressure, I think, on Lee, given the way that um, the season ended. And he probably would admit to this himself that... Um, the form hasn't been good enough over, well, basically in 2018, um, and the way the season panned out, yeah, certainly if if results didn't pick up at all in sort of August September, then yeah, he'd be massively under pressure. But but he's got such a good relationship with the board. He does. He does. He's got They'll everything. Give him time. Yeah, they they will do. They've got. He's got everything set up really here. Um, he's got a tremendous network of contacts. His dad just up the road and everything. The other thing is um, the academy and all the, the young talents coming through. I've got a good story coming out um, about how Aston Villa um, tried to nick um, one of Bristol City's jewels in from the academy. Really? Uh, yeah, I understand that um, they tried to grab um, one of the young talents there in the negotiations for Nathan Baker last summer. So but their academy is so good, it's so so healthy. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And that, I think that's evidence of like the, the quality of guys they've got coming through. And Brian Tinian said the same, Lee said the same. And the, these guys um, really feel that they've got players coming through over the next few years who are going to make a, a real difference at the club. Just before we go, can I ask you about Bailey Wright missing out on the Australian World Cup squad? Is, the, is this because he's got to have surgery this summer on an injury? Or is it just because this new manager isn't a fan of him? And, he, made, you know, he made 12 appearances in the qualifiers. What's going on? Yeah, it's, it's maybe a bit harsh on Bailey. I know, I know some people have pointed out they didn't play so well in uh, Australia's last friendly. That's um, one game. You get, that's, that yeah. seems unbelievably harsh. Was that against Thailand, I think? I'm, I'm not, not too sure. I've seen the reviews that it wasn't his, his best game, but yeah. one game when he's been a sort of a mainstay through the qualifying campaign? Possibly the injury situation might have affected that as well and in which case but he'd just have surgery hard, after wouldn't yeah. he yeah is he on 100% fit though um, I, I just think he's been a bit unlucky and yeah but how many players do Australia on. have to choose from that are playing at a decent level well yeah, that's one for the manager <laughs> that is one for the manager but yeah I think maybe the last game I might be wrong but was against Colombia that he didn't play so well in perhaps Uh, but I can't say I'm an expert on Australian football okay Gregor thank you for your time that's uh, been 
an episode where not only have we talked about the end of season review part two, but obviously the departure of Adam Baker, which myself and Gregor are, are gutted to hear about uh, next week we will have a transfer special we're hoping to get a special guest on as well so tune in next week for that if you're listening on itunes please rate and review us we'll have the transfer special next week before we go on a little break for a couple of weeks myself and gregor off to get a turn plenty of gossip coming next week I think. oh gregor he's <laughs> promised gossip so make sure you tune in next week and thank you for listening This podcast was sponsored by ELM Legal Services based in Bristol who provide will writing and estate planning services across the UK. A standard single will is £99. You can call them on 0800 019 4557. Robins on the Wire.